Welcome back. Thank you for joining us for the third and final episode of the One at a Time series. This episode is titled Moving Forward because the focus of my conversation with Dr. Jimenez is about his visions and hopes for the youth, for his mission, and for our collective future. In this episode, he also shares about the progress being made and how the brutal death of Bronx teen Junior in 2018 brought attention to a major crisis in our New York City communities. Junior passed away after being attacked in Delhi by members of the Dominican-American gang Trinitarios. As a Bronx native, Dr. Jimenez was extremely heartbroken by the loss of this young child. What is your hope for the future generation? My hope for the future generation is that parents will be able to allow their children to go out and play like we used to as a kid and not worry about their children being killed by a stray bullet. My hope for the future is that children won't be dying because of a color of the clothing that they're wearing. Um, my hope for the future is that our children get good education. My hope for the future is that we could try at least to end poverty. I know that's a, that's a wish that may never be granted, but at least, you know, we could educate our people. They could move forward and at least bring themselves out of poverty. So that's my hope for the future. In the first episode, I asked you about what failure looks like for you. Can you now share about what success looks like for you? Oh, being invited, being invited to, to graduation, um, being invited to baptisms, being invited to military uh, graduation, um, seeing my kids joining the military, um, graduating college, having their own families. I'll never forget this one kid who, who was so proud, and I'm getting a little emotional now, that he was so proud that he was working at McDonald's, and for the first time in his life, he said he didn't have to look behind his back while he was working. And that to me, you know, that, that shows a sense of pride. And when those kids are ready to leave, I do this thing called real men, where, you know, I show them how to put on a tie. I show them how to tie a tie. I show them how to talk to women in the proper fashion. Because these kids never had fathers that sat there and taught them these things, right? To them, it's all the vulgarity that you hear in the street. And I said, that's not the way you, you talk to a young lady. And so, you know, I always give them like an intensive, like, you know, training before I send my kids on. Can you tell us about what is your ultimate life goal or career goal? Career, I already have. I love what I do. If I didn't love what I do, I wouldn't be doing it. But my ultimate life goal would be if I was to be able to have a land, a big, huge plot of land where I could build cabins and I could bring kids from the inner city so they could go up upstate. I used to take, I don't know if you ever heard of a FDR pool upstate. I used to rent buses and take a whole slew of kids upstate to go to this pool. Now, FDR pool is a pool that's right in the center of the mountain. So as you look all the way around, you always see is mountains, but in there in the middle is a pool. I stopped taking the kids there because then a lot of gang members started going there. But I wish I had a plot of land. That would be the ultimate goal. A plot of land where we could get inner city kids so that they could escape at least for a weekend away from the concrete jungle and just let them be kids. Because you see the differences. I'm very observant. I love to watch people. Look at the differences of the kids that live in rural areas or in, or in 
the suburbs, right? The way they look. And look at our kids, the ones that live in the, you know, the ghetto in the, in the project. They have such a hard look. These kids upstate and in some of these rural areas have like this innocent look. Our kids look like they've been to the war. So yeah, that would be, I guess that would be the ultimate goal. But I'm living my dream. I'm living my career. I love what I do. I'm happy to hear that. I actually, I used to be a part of a nonprofit called Fresh Youth Initiatives. At the end of the club year, we would go camping. If it wasn't for that nonprofit, I don't think I would have ever had a camping experience. So I, I understand why that's your, your ultimate life goal. I would love that. How was that experience to you? What did you feel like being in a city youth and then going camping? I remember my first time, at least, I, I felt like a, like a sponge, like I was just absorbing everything. I remember like feeling surreal when I made my first like, s'mores at the campfire. I remember I didn't jump off of like the diving board when we were at the lake because I was so scared. It was such a new experience for me. And it was great to see my growth because I, I went to the same camp for like the following two, three years. And there was a lot more things that I became comfortable with. And that's exactly why I used to do what I used to do by taking these kids up there because I wanted them to experience or have that experience like you had. Right? It's nothing like, you know, seeing their faces glowing when they see a deer. Like, I've seen plenty of deer, right, upstate while camping, but these kids never saw a deer, maybe in the zoo, but they never saw a deer in the wild. So you would see these kids light up by seeing a deer or by seeing an eagle or a hawk, you know, and it, it, that's just, that's just, you know, that would be the ultimate goal. And I know there's people out there that can make that vision a reality. Maybe I won't see it in my lifetime, but someone who I trained or someone who I, I mentor may maybe make that dream come true. Can you tell me why the work that you do is significant and important? Oh my God, because I'm trying to plant seeds of change for the future. If you think about it, these kids are the ones that are gonna be taking care of us. If we don't take care of these kids now, can you imagine what our future is gonna look like? I, I look at, all the kids that, that I helped, you know, back in the days. I'm, I'm up there in age. I'll be retiring in age soon. Um, not that soon, but you know, in a couple of years. And I know that they're productive citizens now who, who work and pay taxes. So that, you know, when I get old and, and gray and everything else, they'll be taking care of me by paying taxes. But these younger kids, there's no one really doing it out there. You know, you have these um, non-profits that do it, but it's all for uh, dollars and cents. I don't take a penny. Everything that's ever given to me for my ministry, I always put it right back into it. And, and that's what annoys me about a lot of these organizations that say, well, you know, I gotta go in there and go into those communities and I wanna help. But in reality, it's not. It's about what gains they can have as an organization. And that's sad, you know? Because these kids already face laws from family members that abandoned them, right? And then here comes this worker that's there to try to help them. And then from one day to the next, when they turn around, that worker is no longer there. You get it? More laws. So that's why it takes these kids so long to be able to trust you, right? And I always use this quote with these kids. I always say, listen, I already trust you. I know you don't trust me. And that's okay. I like the challenge. Put me to the test. And that always earns their respect. Because no matter what they do, they could curse on me, they could tell me to get the F out of here, they could tell me to move on, they'll call me all kinds of names, blah, 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 they'll argue with me. But guess what? In the end, they'll love me. 
because they saw that I didn't give up on. You said that at the death of any child, any young adult as a result of gang violence is a failure to you. How did you receive the news of Junior's death? Oh, I was devastated. I was devastated because I knew of, you know, the rising set of trinitarios that were there and how they were intimidating a lot of people and they were causing a lot of issues in that area. Being pulled here and being pulled there, I didn't put any emphasis like, you know, well, why don't we just go check it out? Why don't we just go see what's going on there? And then hearing the news and seeing the brutality, how his death was caused, made me feel like a failure. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think that I have like this God complex that, you know what? I'm super interventionist. And I'm going to be everywhere at every time. But this shit was close to home. I'm from the Bronx, you know, and I should have known better. They're going to have their own selves. They're going to be eating three square meals. They're going to be able to write to their girlfriends, talk to their family. But Junior doesn't have that opportunity. So, you know, I, yeah, I wish I would have been there. Like, did I tell you what Junior's mom told me at the event? No, what did she tell you? After I spoke, it's a little difficult. Um, I'm sorry. After I, um, after I spoke, um, she told me to the side and she goes, I wish you would have been around sooner. Because maybe you could have saved my baby's life. And that hit me like a ton of birds. Because how many agencies did not go into those neighborhoods? And all they do is just take money and take money. Every single cent that I've ever gotten has always gone back to the kids. And these people, all they do is throw parties. That's ridiculous. Where was the intervention? Where was the help? Where is the follow through? It just wasn't there. And many people ask me, why don't you open up a huge organization where you can get funding from the government and this and that? Because if I get funding from the government, then I have to give names of where that $25 went to, where that $50 went to, where that $300 for that airplane ticket went to. You have to put names and social security numbers. And I refuse to expose my kids that way. I'd rather go broke, homeless, sleep in my car than do that. Are you satisfied with the conversations that started up after Junior's passing? Absolutely. For those of you out there that believe in a higher power, right? Saints die for a cause, right? And in my in my speech that day, I said that, you know, Junior wanted to be a police officer. Junior said that he wanted to change his community. Junior said that he never wanted anybody to forget his name, right? As he was growing up. And this is a child, you know, that didn't have a long life. But that message, he was like preparing his mother for what was to be, right? So I compared Junior to a martyr because A, through his death, he brought change to his community. Through his death, no one will ever forget Junior's name. And through his death, change began. You know, we have organizations that are opening up after school programs after his name, have a summer camp for Junior. And his mother is aware of this. Um, his mother has become a strong advocate for youth. If you ever have the pleasure of meeting her, she has such energy and such power just with her presence alone. And the one thing you will always see, no matter where she goes, she always has a picture of her baby that she never lets go. She always holds it close to her heart. So I'm doing this for the juniors of the world. I'm tired. I'm tired of going to funerals. I've been in the last Several years I've been to more funerals and wakes and baby, baby showers or baptisms. It's tough. Do you see change happening right now or are we making slow progress? Oh no, 
No, we're crawling. Change never happens overnight because when change happens overnight, as fast as it went up, it goes back down. We have to build foundations. We have to start building foundations of change little by little, little by little, little by little, until the point where then we're going to have an army, right? An army of people that are out there doing this work. You know, right now we don't even have a platoon. But you got one little fluffy guy and like two or three other people, right? Um, but it's going to happen. My vision, my mission, and my goal is to see in every single city, in every single state, a group of people that are willing to do this work and to stop the violence. And the word is going to get out there. That's why I, I, I pray that, you know, the, this, this, this TV special, the word gets out. I pray that, you know, as I go around going, you know, from city to city, um, that people listen. I, I put up a post the other day and, you know, on my social media, because I only use social media to put positivity up, but I put up after 30 years, finally, people are listening. And it's the truth. You know, it took Junior's death um, in such a tragic way so that people could start listening that something is out there, right? We need to do a change. We need to bring something. I'm sorry, I'm a little emotional, so I'm, I'm like, I may be babbling on, but um, yeah, I, I believe that there will be change. But change don't come easy. We had, you know, change with Martin Luther King. You saw what happened. Um, with Gandhi, you saw what happened. With Malcolm X, you saw what happened. And now with Junior, you saw what happened, right? It took a martyr to start bringing awareness, right? So now the, the country's aware. The government has made just one organization saying that they're the menace, right? And you know which organization I'm talking about. I'm talking about MS-13. But what about the other sets that are polluting the communities? And what about the other organizations that are destroying families, you know? And that's all political. It's all political because they want to close borders. And this president is trying to say that MS-13 are all immigrants. They came across the border illegally. You get it? It's a political thing. So they really don't want to help. It's just about being a political thing. The people that are walking the grounds, those are the ones that are truly want to do something about it. How do you suggest young adults go about recognizing bad habits for what they are? With, with bad habits, you know how they start. They start with a choice. Once you make that choice, it becomes a habit. Once it becomes a habit, then it just it's just automatic, right? And then it becomes your instinct. That's how I have to react. And then it becomes noticed by everyone. And then it becomes yourself, right? And if you look at that, that was a little acronym there that I said, I know it's kind of cheesy, but it's like change. Habits can become your change. Habits can become the things that will keep you trapped, right? Keep people, instead of saying, you know what, let me go and get a high school diploma instead of staying on, you know, public assistance or let me, that, that's what keeps people trapped, right? their choices and their habits. How can they make changes with that? They have to, first they have to admit that what they're doing is a bad habit, right? Secondly, they have to admit that they have a problem. And thirdly, they have to admit that they want to change their behavior. This is why I get so angry because, you know, as a, I'm also an anger resolution therapist. And when, you know, these men are mandated by court to come see me, it annoys me. You know why? Because of the fact is that they're being forced to. So basically after they do my seven weeks a 12-week program, what's going to happen? They're going to go right back to doing the same thing. So that's what I'm saying. When, when they see that they have a habit, they have to realize that they have a problem and that they want to change. You shared about some of your ambitions with your work as a gang interventionist. What can people do to join you or support your movement? If they want to reach out to me, they can reach out to Dr. Dr. Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E. 
Jimenez, J-I-M as in Mike, E-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-
and Monsem. The 2022 list goes as follow. God, first and foremost. The Holy Spirit, of course. Transformation Church. Elevation Church. My B-group sisters, Angela and Pamela. God has used all of you to help me ensure my alignment with his plan. So our connections constantly bless me so much. The last thing I'll say is that remember, no action of support is too small. I hope you consider collaborating with Dr. Jimenez in his mission or consider supporting a local community leader near you. Together, we can transform our communities. Thank you for listening. May God bless you in fulfilling your biggest visions.